Good morning. Can you all hear me? Can you hear me? I have a uh, PA system on my motorcycle at work. I just push this little red button. You pull over to the right-hand shoulder of the roadway. So just want, if they can hear me, you've got to be able to hear me. And they do. They pull over. Well, sometimes they don't, but that's another story. That's another story. Okay, glad to see you all today. Um, today I want to, uh, as I've been preparing for this message, I, um, I've been personally convicted. And, and, and I want to, I pray that the Lord and the Holy Spirit would convict you also. Because I, I believe that there is work to be done. And we are the ones who need to do the work. So a couple of, well, maybe five or six weeks ago when I was here last, um, I addressed the individuals in the room who were not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they did not have, uh, they do not have a, a right relationship with him. And I directed us all to the book of Revelation, the great white throne. And, and uh, today I want to address those of you who have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that you are going to heaven. You understand the gospel presentation. You understand what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you on the cross at Calvary. I would like to, uh, my thrust will be to you, and then I'm going to come back uh, around and, and, and again talk to those that don't know the Savior. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. You know, I, I, um, I'm a policeman if you don't know it. Some of you don't know me. My name is Tom Rodriguez. I'm a policeman, been one for 37 years. I ride a motorcycle, I supervise a, a DUI unit. Um, yeah, anyway, that's what I do for a living. And the Lord has kept me, uh, he's taken care of me, 37 years, you know, he's taken good care of me. I got hurt last week, though, I hurt my leg really bad. I'm, I'm going to be all right. I was chasing a crook, and so somebody in the, in the room said something about, well, you should stretch before you run after people. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even see the crook coming. I didn't even see him coming. And I got off my bike really quick, and I spun around real fast, and, and he was running like a gazelle, and I took my taser out, and, and I drilled him with it, and he went down, but oh, I hurt my leg. But it's been six days, the Lord's going to heal me. You keep praying for me to get 100% better, because I need to be better. But you know, as a policeman, I live in a world and I, that's full of sadness. It's full of despair. I live in a world that, uh, that is longing for truth, longing for truth. And uh, Tuesday I went to a, it's called a 1055. Whenever you hear a 1055, somebody's dead. So I rolled to the house, and the beat cars were already there. And he was 54 years old, and, and his mother and father were at the house, you know, and his mother was broken up really bad. And he, um, he was diagnosed with um, cancer uh, in October. And uh, he died on Tuesday. His brother took a little bit of time off from work to stay with his brother. He was 54 years old. It was, it was sad. Pancreatic cancer. He was as thin as that, as that mic stand right there. I felt bad for the family, you know. It didn't look like they had hope. It wasn't a place for me at that juncture to, to share Christ with them, but I felt bad for the mom. really felt bad for her, you know. Anyway, as Christians, those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, as Christians... You and I, you and I can make a difference to those people who are in need. I really believe that. We can make a difference. And I also think that you and I are living in times when the Lord's coming is soon. His coming is soon. 
Just take a look around you. 44th homicide in the city of Oakland last night. 44 people dead. It's tragic. Tragic. More people die in the city of Oakland than they do in New York City. Did you know that? More people. There's only 400,000 in the city of Oakland. Yeah. There's heartache. There's suffering. There's despair. And you and I, I believe, should be doing all we can to see souls saved. If you're a Christian here today, you and I should be doing all that we can to see souls saved. We don't know, we don't know when a person's soul is going to be required of them. Did you know that? You and I don't know that. So I think it's important for us to be able to share Christ with this lost world. I know the Holy Spirit convicts the souls of men, but we are required to do our part. One plants, one waters, but it's the Lord who gives the increase. But we need to do our part. And you know, um, I've been a believer for about 28-ish years, and I met in a home when I first started coming to San Lorenzo Bible Chapel in a house. And we're here today, beautiful building. And I've, been, I've prayed about this building and I've prayed about seeing this building filled to the brim with living stones. People who are either in fellowship with the Lord or people who want to come out and hear the word of God and ultimately get saved. But for this to take place, once again, we, those of us who know the Savior, must do our job. And, and that's the challenge today that I want to impart on you. Luke's going to play, a, we're going to play a secular song. I'd like you to listen to it. We're going to talk about this song in a minute. The, 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 you're also going to see the, uh, the words so you can follow it in your ear and in your eyesight. And then we're going to come back and talk about that. Go ahead, Luke. I want us to think about urgency. I want us to think about uh, what we as Christians need to be doing. A farmer and a teacher, a hooker and a preacher Riding on a midnight bus bound for Mexico One was headed for vacation, one for higher education And two of them were searching for lost souls That driver never ever saw the stop sign Eighteen wheelers can't stop on a dime. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, heaven only knows. I guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. That farmer left to harvest a home in 80 acres The faith and love for growing things in his young son's heart And that teacher left her wisdom in the minds of lots of children And did her best to give them all a better start And that preacher whispered, can't you see the promised land as he lay his blood-stained Bible in that hooker's hand There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway 
why there's not four of them Heaven only knows I guess it's not what you take When you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go That's the story that our preacher told last Sunday As he held that blood-stained Bible up us to see. He said, bless the farmer and the teacher and the preacher who gave this Bible to my mama who read it to me. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway. Why there's not four of them, now I guess we know. It's not what you take when you leave this world behind you It's what you leave behind you when you go There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway So the quite we're going to talk about it. The question I have, I have a couple of questions for you. They're all rhetorical. I want you to think about them yourself. Are you and I concerned about the lost? Are we? Those people are on a bus. Truck ran a red light. They were breathing one minute. The next they're gone. Is a great white throne real to those of you that know the Savior? Is it real? We have family. We have friends. We have loved ones that we care about that will perish without the Lord. They will. Are you and I willing to share Christ whenever and wherever we can? You know, I meet a ton of people throughout the course of my day. Some of them I stop because they're going to get a citation for something. Some I stop because they're in need of something. Somebody wants directions. They're all different genders, different races. It doesn't matter. I'm meeting people all day. I'm looking at people, lost people, people who don't know the Savior. They desperately need to hear the Word of God because we don't know when their life is, their soul is going to be required of them. We don't. Montana last week, I was going out to the ranch, and I said, we don't have them here. How many of you have seen a wooden cross on Highway 880? 580, 92, 101. Have you seen one? No, we don't have them around here. But I'll tell you what, you go up into Montana and you'll see them all over the place. So I saw seven of them on the side of the road. And I thought, well, I can't remember going out to the ranch and seeing that. So I came back around and I stopped. Then I remembered five of them, five of the crosses were for five young kids last year that got involved in a crash. High schoolers killed all five of them in the car. And the other two was a Another pair of people a couple of years ago that had passed away. Tragedy strikes, and it strikes quickly. What if they didn't know the Savior? The Bible says they're condemned to hell for eternity. They'll spend eternity in a lake of fire. Are you starting to get the urgency? If you know people that don't know the Savior, you and I are under obligation. The preacher in this song here that we listen to he had four things going for him. 
because his life was about to end. It, as you listen to the song, it almost looks like the hooker is going to be the one that passes away, but she doesn't. It's the it's preacher. He had four things going for him, and I would like to share with you that I'd like to see those four traits apply to you and I also. One of them is motivation. Are you motivated to share the Lord Jesus Christ with the lost? Are you motivated to see sinners saved? Is there an urgency? The second is urgency. Do you have an urgency to share the Word of God? When you look at people and you see people who desperately need salvation? The third is opportunity. Was opportunity at that preacher's foot, at his fingertips? Yeah, they were. He was right there. He was going to die himself. He had opportunity. He took it. And then he had a desire. The fourth is a desire. A desire to do the Lord's will. Motivation, urgency, opportunity, and desire. We see all the Lord Jesus Christ gave us an example of that in uh, uh, the book of John, chapter uh, uh, 4, verses 1 through 26, with the woman at the well. I'm just going to go over a couple of these really quick. You don't need to turn there, but if you want to, fine. Jesus had motivation when he met that woman at the well because he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. He was taking a different track. That was his motivation. It was urgent for him because when he saw her in verse 7, he asked her for a drink. Can I get a drink? Can I get a drink of that water? He had an opportunity. He got there at the right time for her. She was too embarrassed to come earlier, so she came at the sixth hour. But he was right there. He was waiting for her at the sixth hour. And then he had a desire. He had a desire in verse 26. He wanted her to know him. He wanted her to know that he was the Messiah. And he wanted her to know that by believing in him, that she would be saved from her sins. So he gives us an example. An example that you and I should follow. You and I should be motivated. We should take every opportunity we can. We should have a strong desire. And we should uh, consider it an urgency to share Christ with the lost world. Howard, I'm going to front you for a minute. Some of you know Howard Ormsey, some of you don't. A couple of weeks ago, Rick was preaching a message and he talked about those people that led you to the Lord or who were instrumental in your life. Howard Ormsby. If I hadn't told you, Howard... I appreciate your efforts. Howard Ormsby's like that. He had an urgency. He took the opportunity. He was willing. He had a desire. And he knew that I needed to know the Savior. Howard saw me like a sheep that was lost. I got in trouble at work a couple of years ago. I told you, some of you know this. I got a big mouth sometimes. Got to work on that. Yeah, I do. I can be very... uh, uh, Yeah, anyway. Howard told me one day when I was meeting with him, Tom, you don't see people like the Lord Jesus Christ sees people. You don't. You don't see people who are in need. You don't see people who are helpless. You don't see sinners. That's why you treat them like you do. Because I can be very curt. 
On a car stop, I can be. It's, it's slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. It is done. I told a guy on Monday, I stopped his car, got off my bike, walked up to him and said, you're going to jail. That was it. I didn't say good afternoon. I said, you're going to jail. I opened the car door and threw the handcuff on him. It was just like that. But that guy's a sinner and he needed the Savior. Howard told me, Tom, you need to see people like Jesus sees people. That's what you need to do. You need to see souls that need the Savior. And, you know, and, and, and thinking about that, I need to do all that I can to share Christ in a world that's lost and perishing. I need to share Christ, and you should too if you know the Savior, with people who are lost. And you can share with them that they, they can be born again through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And who are those people? Who are the people we're talking about? You got a neighbor? You got an unsaved brother? You got a spouse? You got a child? You got a coworker? You kids that go to school, if you're a believer today, you got classmates? It's a wide range of people. You know, uh, Wednesday night, we had a, uh, a prayer meeting here, and, and my friend Michael Long, where's Michael? I can't see him. Ah, uh, there he is. He did a study, and he asked people one question, and we got to watch part of it, and I was overwhelmed by it. One question. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? And I think he had a, a half a dozen plus, uh, do, maybe a dozen people, and everybody had a, they all had a different, they all had a different idea or concept of who Christ was. They, they, don't, even, they don't even know. The world is lost. And I'm grateful that at Calvary Bible Chapel, the Word of God is preached with power and might. The gospel is preached. Um, before we, before I, did, I have a text I want us to look at tonight, today. But before I do that, I, I just need to know from you who are believers, who, who profess faith in Christ, are you sensitive to the Lord and His leading when He brings a divine appointment your way? Are you sensitive? There's an example in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. This is where, and some of you know this, uh, this is where the Lord spoke to Philip. And he told Philip that he wanted him to go into the desert between Jerusalem and Gaza. Well, I wasn't where I wanted to go, but he was sensitive to the Lord and he said, okay, I'll go. And then uh, Philip was also willing to follow the Lord when he directed him to overtake a chariot and speak with this Ethiopian eunuch who was reading his Bible. He was re so the Lord told him, overtake that. And he was sensitive, and he overtook it. And he speaks uh, to this uh, Ethiopian eunuch, and he, and he shares the word of God with him. And ultimately, ultimately, the eunuch believes, he is saved, he gets baptized, and we read in, in verse 40 that he went away rejoicing. So, to those of you that know the Lord, sensitivity. Are you sensitive to the things of God? Are you sensitive? When the Lord brings an appointment your way, are you willing to, 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 uh, to grab it, run with it, obey it? When the Lord brings somebody into your life that maybe you didn't even see coming, you didn't even see him coming, are you willing to, to share Christ with him? Are you willing? Do you see the person as a lost soul? Do you see the person that today they're breathing, but tomorrow they might not be. Is there an urgency in your life? Okay, let's look at um, 
Uh, we're going to open our Bibles to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to look at uh, verses f- uh, 1 through 5. I'll read the text. I will attempt to explain the text. So here we are. You all there? 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, brother, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all the long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." couple of key words I want to talk about in a little bit. Well, here, here they are. Preach the word is a big one. Preach the word in, in uh, verse 2 and in verse 5. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. So let's look at some of these uh, uh, verses and then uh, we will continue. Okay, for, so give you a little, uh, little backdrop here. The, the, the book is written by Paul to Timothy. Paul's in prison. He's writing a letter of encouragement to Timothy. He wants Timothy to know of his continued love and, and, and prayers for him. He encourages Timothy to persevere. Keep going on. Keep going on. Don't stop. And in persevering, Timothy will reap rewards. But it's also written to us. So I would tell all of you, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, continue to persevere because there will be rewards. Uh, and then Timothy has Paul's example to guide him in God's word, the word of God to fortify him. So uh, uh, that song we heard, the preacher gives a Bible to this hooker. She takes it and she reads it. And, you know, it's a secular song, but, you know, stay with me. Um... She has a baby. She reads it to her baby. Her boy grows up. He becomes a preacher himself. And he's sharing the word with others. So I would say to all of you who know Christ today, you don't know the effect you will have on people. You don't know, and neither do I. So what should we be doing? We should be sharing the word of God with people. Sharing the word of God with them because we don't know what's going to happen down the road. And then, you know, um, the Word of God, uh, Paul is telling Timothy this because um, Timothy is going to be facing growing opposition and and opportunities. Opposition and opportunities. And he needs to be able to work through both of them. I would suggest that you and I are in that same place today. I I think that uh, we have opposition as we share Christ but I think the Lord gives us opportunities that come our way, and what we do with them in the end is what counts, what we do with them. So in verse 1, Paul, uh, I I charge you therefore uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. 
So Paul charges Timothy in the sight of God and the living, uh, the living Lord Jesus Christ because what he's saying here, he's giving him a charge because it is Jesus who will judge. He's going to be judging people uh, at his appearing. We already talked about that, the great white throne, Revelation 20. It is Jesus who is going to judge. And for people to think, and there might be somebody here who might, might even harbor this thought. Well, judge me for what? I haven't done nothing wrong. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you have. We all have. So in verse 1, Timothy's given a charge, and he's reminding him that the Lord Jesus is going to be the judge. But then in verse 2, he says, Preach the word. Share the word of God with those that we have an opportunity. Loved ones, I've already suggested this. Family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and the like. Remember that they are perishing. Do you see people as perishing? Because if you did... You would do all you could to share Christ with them because they will die in their sins. They will die in their sins. We should see it as an urgency. You know, when people are in trouble, they dial 911. They expect us to be coming right now. And if it's a big deal, it's a, if it's a big deal, everything stops. On Tuesday, the dispatcher comes over the air, and my call sign's 8SAM1. She says, 8SAM1, uh, Pleasant and PD is in Code 3 pursuit over the Dublin Gray. They're, in, they're in, uh, pursuing a uh, Chevrolet Monte Carlo, black in color, purple, uh, purple spots on the back bumper. Uh, suspect committed an armed robbery, and uh, they're coming up towards Eden Canyon now. So I'm up at the substation, and I said, okay, how many units do we have free? How many units free? She says, none. That's not good. That's bad. So I said, okay, I'll be en route. And then one of my other motors jumped up, and a couple of them jumped up, and I said, okay, let's, you know, let's get rolling. So it's, a, so it's an urgent matter. How am I going to drive there? Just out, of, just out of curiosity, how am I going to drive there? Am I going to stop at every red light? I'm going to wait for the cycle? Or am I going to push the red button that turns all the lights on and flip the switch that turns on the siren, and I'm going to go red light and siren, code three mode? Is that how I'm going to go? That's how I'm going. It's urgent. And the rest of my guys are all moving in the same way. It's urgent. Those of you that know the Lord Jesus Christ today, when you see a sinner, when, excuse me, when you see somebody who doesn't know the Savior, it should be urgent. Put your siren on and, and, and red lights. Yeah, it's an urgency. Make it urgent if you have that opportunity. We should make it our goal to avail ourselves at every opportunity. I appreciate Eric Shorkin um, because he always tells me, he tells me stories of how he talks to people and, and he, he brings the word of God in, somebody he'll meet and talk with. He tries to make an urgency out of the people that he meets. It's a mindset, you know. We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid. Okay, we also read in verse, uh, verse 2 that uh, the gospel message, he says here, um, be ready in season and out of season. The gospel message is always in season. We should always be sharing, even though others think that it's out of season. Who cares about it? You should care about it. As servants of Christ, like Timothy, we, sh we are called upon to convince people Convince them, you know. Show them from the Word of God what the Lord is saying. 
we should rebuke people. That is, hey, what you think there is false, and this is why it's false, from the Word of God. And then we should exhort people, encourage sinners and saints to go on for the Lord. And the Word tells us that we should also do this with long-suffering, long-suffering and faithful teaching of the sound doctrine. What does this require of you and I? What does it require? Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. What does it require of you and I? Well, this is what it requires, that we need to, one, know the, know the Word of God. We need to know it. How do you know the Word of God? You read it. You study it. We need to study His Word. We need to memorize His Word. Know it. Study it. Memorize it. So that we can share it when we meet people. And we talk to people. And we explain to people what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. I'm going to go back to Howard Ormsby for a minute. I love Howard. Howard used to, Howard used to ride his bicycle over to my house with the girls. And he just talked to me. Howard had a genuine love, still does, he has a genuine love for me and my family. And Howard knows the Word of God because Howard studied the Word of God, because Howard memorized the Word of God. And he was able to convince, rebuke. He was able to do those things because he saw value in a lost soul. And he's, a, he's an example that I have. Maybe others of you have examples like that, but he is my example. In verses 3 to 6, Paul gives T- Timothy a couple of strong reasons for the charge that he has given him. And the charge was, be ready in season and out. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Preach the word. First, because there's going to be a genuine turning away from the doctrine. And second, Paul's time on earth is pretty short. And this is where the song that you guys heard and you and I come together. There is, and I believe right now, a positive distaste, a positive distaste for correct doctrine and teaching. I believe that. People, uh, they turn away from those who teach the truth of God. Do you know that? Some of you who are on the forefront, you're on the battle line, you're up front. There's a, there's a general, people want to turn away. People today want to have, you know, I'm not slamming people, I'm not. But they want to have their ears tickled with things that's pleasing and comfortable. Because I'm going to tell you right now, people don't want to hear, you're a sinner bound for hell. They don't want to hear it. But it's the truth. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear this. Oh, you're a nice person. Oh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You're nice. Don't worry. Uh, A holy God is not going to condemn you. Don't worry. That's what they want to hear. But that's not reality, people. That's not the truth. That's not what God's word says. People don't want to hear they're sinners. They don't want to know. Don't tell me I'm going to hell. I don't want to hear it. And also people don't want to hear about the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in Old Testament times, what did they say? In the New Testament, I'm sorry, what did they say? We will not have that man rule over us. Not going to happen. Not going to do it. They would rather hear a false teacher who says nice, pleasant things. 
The lust for inoffensive preaching will cause people to turn their ears away from the truth to myths. Turn away from the truth to a myth. A tragic exchange. Sacrificing the truth for a fable. Sacrificing the truth, what God says, for something that's totally wrong. In verse 5, when Paul tells Timothy to be watchful in all things, he really means, he tells him to be sober, not having a clouded mind, clear thinking, be watchful. And you and I should be serious in our thinking as we share the gospel. We should not shun affliction that will come our way. People are not going to agree with you. They'll get angry with you. They'll be intimidated by you. And we should suffer willingly if that happens. Any hardship that comes our way for the sake of the lost soul. For the sake of the lost soul. And then he says in, uh, in verse 5, do the, uh, I'm sorry, um, yeah, verse 5, do the work of an evangelist. Commentaries here are going to differ a little bit. Some, uh, w- was Timothy an evangelist or was he not an evangelist? Was he? He wasn't. Well, some thought that he might have the gift of, of uh, not have the gift of evangelism, but the, uh, rather that of maybe a teacher or a preacher, one of the two. But I would say that you and I who know the Lord Jesus Christ are all evangelists. Every one of us is. We can all share the gospel message. You can tell people what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. Every one of us can. We can all preach Christ crucified. We can all tell others what great things he's done in our lives. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, I would beseech you to share him. Spread the message of salvation to a lost world. Because, and I'm going to say this again, you don't, you, don't, um, you don't see it like I see it. I, I live on the forward line. Somebody gets shot, I'm first there. Somebody gets stabbed, I'm first there. Somebody gets beat down, I'm first there. Somebody's dead. You, you, don't, you don't live a life like that good for you, but I do. So I see, I see people who are tragically unaware And if you and I have an opportunity, we should share with him. Because nobody knows, nobody knows when that person's life's going to end. If you love people, you'll do your part. I'm going to make a personal challenge to everybody in this room today who's a a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Personal challenge to all of you. Tell me next week if you're able to pull it off. And this is a challenge. Share Christ with just one person this week that you have never known before who's come your way. One person that you've never met before, share Christ with them. Tell me what happens. The choice is yours because you know the way of salvation. Romans 1, 16, 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. The gospel message saves lives. It takes people from death unto life. If you love people, you care about people, you will do all that you can to move them from here to here with the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord gives you an opportunity, comes your way, take it and run with it. That's to the believer today. But there are some in the room today who have not professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would be remiss if I did not share the gospel message with you today. If I did not, I would be wrong. So here goes. The Ten Commandments. A lot of you have heard about the Ten Commandments. They're God's absolute rule. I'm going to stop. I'm going to back up. Okay, I'm back over here. 
When I'm done, if somebody in this room who does not know the Savior has questions to ask me, you come to me and you talk to me. I am more than willing to share with you the road to salvation. Because when you get in your car and you drive away, you don't know if someone's going to pop that red light right there. You don't know if someone's going to pop the next red light. You don't know when you get on the freeway and merge, if, if a police unit is chasing a car and you don't know. If you, you are not guaranteed this afternoon, I'll tell you all right now. I know that firsthand. You are not guaranteed this afternoon. Be ready. Be ready. So the Ten Commandments are God's absolute rules for living. No man has ever kept all of God's laws except for God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one. A person will never reach heaven through his or her own efforts. So you'll hear me say the Bible says. Why do I say the Bible says? Because the Bible says it. In Romans 3.20. Is it up there? Good. By the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in whose sight in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Gifts of charity, doing one's best, leading a good life are all commendable acts. I commend you. But according to the Bible, it's not going to save you. The Bible says in Titus 3.5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Good works. Neither your good works, trying to obey the golden rule, you know, treating others like I want to be treated, or giving to the church will get you to heaven. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't care what you do. You can't get all these good widgets over here, people, because, you got one, because even if you had one bad widget here, this one takes precedent over all of those over there. That's just how it works. Church membership, regular church attendance, praying, fasting, they're all good in and of themselves. They are. But they can never justify sinners before a holy God. They can't do it. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousness, everything that you think is good about you, are like filthy rags. Without trusting in Jesus Christ, baptism, communion, cannot help you. The Bible shows clearly that there are spiritual values. These are spiritual values only when one believes in the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in John 1, 12 to 13, As many as received him, who? Jesus Christ. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, not of one's parentage, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Confirmation, penances, extreme unctions that people do are the basis, are, are, are the basis for going to heaven. God provided, they are not the way. God's provided only one way of salvation, just one. And what is that way? The way of salvation is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts 16.31, 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 5, 24, He that heareth my word, you all are hearing it today, and believe on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, 
but is passed from death unto life. So the question that I have to the unbeliever today, the question that I have for you, will you accept God's way of salvation? The choice is yours, it is not mine. We all make our own choices in life. Be wise, I would say, and choose Christ. You can have hope of heaven today. You can have hope of heaven today. And again, I'm just going to reiterate and come back around. I know that sometimes people have to hear things a couple of times. Nobody in this room today knows when they're going to breathe their last. None of you. You cannot guarantee me tomorrow. You can't do it. I told you that car can run a red light. (laughs) You can be struck down by an incurable disease. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And I would be wrong if I did not share with you that you can have hope of eternity, hope of eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven today by accepting him and accepting what he has done for you on the cross at Calvary. I would be absolutely remiss. I would not be your friend, but I want to be your friend And I want you to know the truth of the gospel message. Make the right choice, my friends. Make the right choice. So let's pray. Lord, we are are grateful people that we have your word. We thank you that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. For those that know you today, I pray they would be motivated to take the challenge to take the opportunity to witness of the great things that you have done for them and for me. And to those that don't know you, Lord, I pray they would consider their life without you and then consider their life with you. I just pray that this would not be something they just hear to have their ears tickled. You are real to us that know you. You're coming back and you will judge. And I pray that everybody in this room can boldly say with confidence, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lord Jesus Christ is my all in all. We give you thanks for this morning. We look forward to how the rest of the day will end if it is your will for us to have that. We give thanks in the Savior's name. Amen.